Hello and welcome. You got something to say? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Carol Scudder. I just was like, <laughs> am I recording? I guess I am. I mean, okay. So yes, Carol, <laughs> you're here. You're- hi. We can see how this is going to go just based on the introduction. Let's try this again. Hey, I'm Carol Scudder. And I'm Quentin Lamar. And welcome to This Is Gonna Be Good. <laughs> this is gonna be good, that's right. With that auspicious start. I know, right? I love the the like awkwardness because sure. it's so real. Me too. It's so real. And we're friends. We don't have to like put on a show <laughs> for each other. We can be awkward. It's okay. Yeah. I mean that's part of our uh charm. And when we are not awkward, it's like, wow, look how not awkward they are for that second. It allows for contrast. <laughs> that's true. I only have two settings. I have awkward and sexy. That's all I can do. I can do awkward oh. and I can do sexy. Oh, oh, okay. I do awkward and spaz. <laughs> um. <laughs> I was just joking, but I don't think you are. I don't think I am either. I used to do sexy. I guess I can do it again someday. I don't know. Oh, that's yeah, another get topic. Get it? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I will. I'll get it. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I find that funny. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, it has been a week, huh? Jesus. It's been a week, and we have a really great guest coming for you guys later. We do. I know her from back in the day from acting class. I studied acting with her for the very good teacher named David Perry at Carnegie Hall. She's amazing, and she's a great actress. She's a gymnast. She's a gymnast choreographer. Wow. She's a martial artist. She's a Korean-American. All that. So, again, she's our guest. But let's talk about things that happened last week. Yeah, we had a sort of eventful week, as they all tend to be. What was it? One of the things we have here, we have uh, Mr. Potato Head. Oh, right. Right. The, the classic old toy. Mr. Potato Head was reported as becoming gender neutral. Mr. Potato Head. Uh, which caused some outrage online and specifically anti-trans comments from the unhinged U.S. Representative <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Is she a potato rights activist or something? I don't know why she cares so much, but, you know, it, it's on brand for her. Yeah. You know, I was like, since she cares so much about it, I think Hasbro should like remodel Mrs. Potato Head after her. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, yeah. And hear me out. The new design, it'll still feature like a hollow inside, okay. but it'll be given a neck. <laughs> oh. That way, instead of just her face, yeah. she can put her entire head up her ass. Oh. Like real life, you know? Ouch. Ow. It's good, right? I like it. Actually, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a great toy. I had a Miss Miss Mrs. Ms. Potato Head when I was a kid, so uh, I, I got I got a little emotional that you were gonna hurt her. No, no, I'm not gonna hurt her. Don't hurt her. Marjorie Taylor Greene's face does look somewhat like a potato. I thought you of got that. the fake blonde hair. You got eyes close together. And it's just got a doughy potatoey. Just bad skin. I don't want to yeah. judge somebody on their it's skin. It's white. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, ouch. Hello. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You are. You're on fire today. No, she's a, she's a hideous person. Here's what I have to say about that Mr. Potato Head thing. Now that we've taken the gender away from Mr. Potato Head, what's next? People are going to marry their dogs? Get yeah, it? that's the next step. <laughs> I mean, that is the next step. It like, is. you know, up is down. I think they should get a divorce. It's just so dumb. Here's something I learned about the potato head. I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know this. I learned this on the John Lovett podcast, Love It or Leave It, by the way. I want to give him credit. The original Mr. Potato Head, it was just a it was literally a potato. That's disgusting. And the kids just got <laughs> the kids just got a box of like accoutrement, noses and ears and clothes and stuff to stick on an actual potato. 
what year was this? Like, I what, don't know. What? I don't know. This is why I have to get better at doing the research for the podcast. I can't imagine I, like waking up on Christmas and my parents are like, here you go, a carb. It's like, that's kind of weird. Honey, go in the kitchen and get one of them potatoes. You're going to love your gift. Here's a carb with some fake face features. Can you give me that potato back? Because now I'm making dinner. I need that potato back. <laughs> Mom, that's my toy. I totally believe it. It's not a good idea. And have you ever smelled a rotting potato? I have not. I have not. I don't believe. I'll tell you what. Potatoes don't last long in my house. You can't do anything to a potato to keep me from eating it. You can't do anything <laughs> to a potato and a chicken to keep me from eating it. I will eat them no matter what you do to those two things. Okay. That's interesting. I, now I suddenly want to think of things I could do that make you not want to eat it. I'll eat it no matter what. I'll eat it. That's good to know that potatoes can't rot in your house because this happened to my mother-in-law. It's sad because she was having dementia and stuff. And so she wasn't super cognizant of what was going on. But there was this smell that was just like dear god did the mailman die mm. and is he under the house rotting or something and then we finally found it it was potatoes like maybe two of them that had gotten together and like rotted and liquefied and it smells like satan <sighs> that's disgusting and that brings me back to marjorie taylor green satan yeah yeah yeah. Do I have a joke about her? I don't. Other than that, well, it's not a joke, but just this is what happened. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, they voted on a transgender rights bill. That is correct. And Marjorie's uh, anti that. Mm -hmm. Not surprising. And another congressperson, Newman, um, is sponsoring the bill because her daughter, Evie, is transgender. It's trans, yeah. Her office is unfortunately across the hall from Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. And she put a transgender flag outside her office. And just some sort of tweet, because apparently Marjorie Taylor Greene said a bunch of rude things on the floor about the bill. Of course. And she put the flag and did the tweet like, you know, I wanted Marjorie Taylor Greene to see this flag every time she comes out of her office. Something like that. And that's a paraphrase, obviously. And Marjorie Taylor Greene flipped out and put a sign next to her office that said, there are two genders, male and female. Check the science. Follow the science. Whatever. So there's just a lot wrong with that, because that's not actually what the science says. She's not a good expert on science. She's not a good human no. i saw her hang that flag as long as she hung herself i am so tired of marjorie Taylor green it's yeah no she's the grossest she's she's actually the worst one quite a competition i can't say which one is the worst one it's like trying to like figure out if if it's you know darth vader or i don't i don't have time for <laughs> right. that they're just all like they're all bad shitty receptacles filled with their own contents and that's what i'll say about them i think that's true all right, so, so enough about that crap. What else happened what else? this week? What do you got? Daft Punk retired. Oh, right. They did. And you you texted me and said, Daft Punk. I love Daft Punk. You said, do you know who, you do know what Daft Punk is? That's what you said. <laughs> I didn't know. I had to, I had to, you know. Well, I had to think on it because I'm not that big on the pot, but I did re realize it was a band and I, I didn't know that much about them either until I started looking into it and realized like, oh, I've heard this song and that song. And of course, Peter, my husband was like, oh, yes, of course you know who Daft Punk is yeah like they've been like 28 years they've been all over the place yeah and after being together for 20 years they proved the two guys into leather and mask can make it longer than most of our parents so that's wait wait what <laughs> <laughs> those like two guys yes in mask and wearing leather have, can make it longer than most of our parents have made it together so can make it longer can live longer no okay. be together successful oh, in a relationship longer got it so their relationship lasted longer okay yeah that joke needs work you're gonna work um on that. okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll agree to disagree no just okay kidding. fine no. i don't agree to that i don't agree to that i agree that they lasted a long time their video was very moving. Did you watch the video of the end? I did watch the video. It's like, you know, oh one killed the other one and the other one walked off into the 
the desert sunset. It's it it was very puzzling. I don't know what that means. Like, is he going solo? Is he going to walk to his batteries run out? Because, like, you know, they're like robots. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they seem clear that that was the end. When you allow one of your your partner to blow up. I, and they may be, like, the most, well, like, successful, like, duo. Like, Lauren, because usually, like, musical duos don't last that long. I can't think of any. Probably helps that you never had to see their faces. Yeah. Because nobody really knows what, not many people know what they look like, at least. Somebody knows. Yeah. But, but based on that, because we don't know what they look like, my theory is that they're going to come back with their faces out out as a country folk duo mm. called pickles and ham pickles and ham yeah that may not be the name huh. they're french so it might be hamel <laughs> pickles and hamel <laughs> are pickles and ham <laughs> is that a like normal pairing i don't they're good yeah have you never had a cuban sandwich i have had a cuban sandwich i'm actually not a fan <gasps> what yeah, the um, hell really it's just a lot going on and wow it's it's like being at a party you don't know anybody else at and it's just like so much going on you just like oh uh, my I, God. it was too much for me but bravo to anybody who can enjoy it oh for me it's like being at a party where i just love every single person i've met oh. and i want to eat them all <laughs> i want to talk to them all <laughs> i've heard like army hammer say that before i think Dude, yeah he's a cannibal allegedly <laughs> oh no it's proven it's a definite no. I guess I guess it's allegedly sure. Pickles and ham. This is a, it's a good combination. I I I don't know why it would be too much for you. Maybe because you're a guy who loves pretzels. I do love. I mean, first of all, deeply boring. Pretzels have been around for a long time. Somebody's eating them shits. Okay, I'm not the only one that they likes pretzels. <laughs> don't put that all on me. They've been around since caveman, and they taste like caveman made them still. They taste like salt. Like that's what they taste. They taste like salt. Mm. I mean. I don't know. I, I, I like what I like. I, I like You're things right. other than pretzels, but like that sandwich just always like, you know, pickles are very. I don't want to be a food shamer. I don't really like pickles on anything. I like pickles oh. alone, but I don't like pickles like I, like this wow. whole trend of like putting pickles on chicken sandwiches. Oh, wow. who started that? But oh, my really God, I stop. did. Can I take credit for it? I didn't, but I would have. Then I am angry at you. Oh, um, shoot. Chicken sandwiches do not need pickles. Oh, my God. My they do need them. I, w- I could eat a jar of pickles alone, but I do not like them on top of things. Well, and listen to this because you're not going to like this either. This is a sandwich I invented when I was a child, mm. maybe five years old, probably. It's American cheese, like high quality American cheese. High quality. Yeah. So like Boar's Head Deli. Except, well, what my mom used to buy was called Old English. It was Kraft American cheese, but it was called Old English. English and it wasn't wrapped individually. You had to peel the slices off and it had a tangier flavor. It, it tasted fancy. Okay, that sounds like the craft deli stuff now. I think that's what that became. It probably is like that. Yeah. So my sandwich as a child was yellow mustard, that fancy American cheese, and um, sour pickles, like dill pickles, sliced pickles. And I called it, get this, mustard pickle cheese sandwich. And <laughs> I don't know how that came to you. I don't know either, but I ate it every single day of my life until I was maybe 14 or 15. Wow. It was my go-to. I may have missed a day here or there, but that was my go-to sandwich. And that's, I think that's why I still love things like pickles and pickles and ham and stuff like that. It's another place where we diverge. We do. That and uh, television watching. We do. It's just interesting. That, um, that sounds, that sounds gross, but I'm happy for you. I'm glad we talked it all through though. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Must we? All right, fine. Must we. 
I worked so much this week. I'm like doing this new remote job now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's full time, and it's the first time I've ever worked full time, and it is in my apartment, so that's great. But uh, it's freaking me out. I guess this is what people have done all their lives. Like, I've always been a freelancer. And most people apparently work uh, 9 to 5, 9 to 6. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I'm creative people tend to be freelancers yeah. a lot. And I'm the same way. I haven't had a full-time job in I don't know how long. Apparently, I've never had one. <laughs> This, <laughs> it's been a while for me since I was like 20. This seems to be a new experience for me. Yeah. I've apparently never had a full-time job that didn't have a tremendous amount of labor. I had multiple jobs yeah. that were like Oh, free, multiple, sure. I've never had like, yeah, I never, at least the last... 10 years i haven't had a full-time job okay so. yeah i'm there with you it would drive me crazy it's so i'm not as in touch with what the hell's going on as much as i want to be okay well i can help you out with that great scientists say that it's totally possible that we could have humans on mars by 2026 okay can i make a short list of people i'd like to send there <laughs> sure <laughs> i'm sure they'll be taking that i you know i would say like 2026 so like of course, that means there'll be a Starbucks there by 2024. Uh, that's good. Yeah. With a non-working bathroom. <laughs> True. I've never liked their bathrooms anyway, so that's fine. Oh, God. I can't tell you how many times I've needed a Starbucks bathroom desperately. It's just, Desperately. I always feel very judged when I'm trying to use the bathroom at Starbucks. Because you don't buy anything? They do make it seem like, you know, you should. I don't like coffee. I don't like coffee. Wow. I haven't heard that from a white person ever. Yeah, I am that white person. Mm. Big fan of pickles. So you would you prefer tea? Yes, ma'am, sir. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm I'm potato head. I have no gender. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're you're pan. You're pansexual. Yeah, I drink tea. I drink black tea every morning with a little milk and sugar. Except now I use stevia and soy milk, and I have that every morning instead of coffee. And I have since I was in my 30s. So that's a long time ago. Wow, soy milk. I haven't heard about soy milk in a long time. Yeah, we like soy milk in our coffee and tea he still drinks coffee i don't know why we started liking that but i do and not just any soy milk because it can't be bullshit soy milk that's got a bunch of stuff in it it's only organic soybeans and water there's only a few brands that have that that don't have other extra crap Mm. in it and that's what we like if i have to get cow's milk that's fine i'm not a big fan of cow's milk i can't say i don't like drinking it i just don't feel comfortable drinking it Hmm. so i usually drink almond milk or like oat milk you don't feel comfortable physically yeah it's like now that i know like how bad cow's milk is for you like i can't comfortably enjoy it well it's not it's just that not a thing that adults really need i don't actually think it's bad for you i mean it's a source of protein and blah 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 Mm -hmm. some people can't digest it i'm not a fan of drinking it as an adult apparently it's good for kids but i don't think they really need i don't know who needs it i'm lucky because i can drink any kind of milk it doesn't bother me like i can do skim i can do two percent i can do almond i can do cashew Oh, it's all fine. Some people are like, no, I need the taste of like real milk. And I'm like, I really don't care. Oh, yeah. No, I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that. I'll use it if I need it for cooking or something. Buttermilk. I like to use buttermilk in my mashed potatoes. Speaking of Mars, like by 2026. Yeah, let's talk about Mars. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Like, I mean, like, first of all, if we as humans populate a dead planet and try to make it livable while killing our own home planet, yeah. it would seem completely on brand for humans. Yeah. But what sense does that make it's like a hoarder just trashing one house and moving to another one except a planet i do not think we should take this shit show on the road no. honestly we should keep this shit here i guess why i don't think people from florida should ever leave like just just <laughs> keep that there stay 
stay home. They should stay home. Like, don't bring that out. For sure. God help any alien life we come across. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of the whole idea of going to Mars. I'm not opposed, I guess, if you need to do it for science stuff, but I don't want to travel there. I don't trust it. Well, you shouldn't. They don't have an atmosphere, do they? <laughs> yeah. They don't. Okay. So we're going to have to live inside. Everything's going to have to be like vacuum sealed. We just did that. We just did that for a year. I don't want to do that. Mm, True. Like spend what, however long I'm there not being able to go outside. No, I could stay on earth for that for free. Can the Republican Party perhaps put CPAC there? They can go have their CPAC there. Is that a bad idea? (sighs) I don't think it's far enough away. (laughs) Okay. You can... That's my only issue with it. I see. Let's maybe let's try like something like let's go further like Pluto. Let's try to do something like that. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm too. I'm too old for that. We can let the kids. Yeah, yeah. Somebody in in second grade can try that shit. I, I'm I'm too old. I think my generation will probably be the last one on this planet, and I think that's fitting. No, I don't think so. We'll see. I think the kids are going to pull it out. I do. Okay. It requires our help. They can't do it themselves. Well, we're we're gonna do it with our reusable shopping bags. That's right. I don't think so. I do. Yep. I'm on I'm on the case with that. I've got it going on. Well, good luck. Thank you. So um let's move on to Martha Stewart. <laughs> oh who yeah. Was in the news this week. I wish I thought it was hilarious. I just read that. Yes. Please tell us what happened. Martha Stewart this week and people magazine recalled being pissed off and disappointed that her parole officer would not allow her to host Saturday Night Live when she was asked to back in 2004 after she was found guilty of felony charges of conspiracy, obstruction, and lying to federal investigators. Yeah, but okay. I guess they're, they're, that's true. The old, the twilight years are all about regret, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. I think the reason she came out with that statement is because she really wants to host SNL now and she wants them to reinvite her. She'll have to commit more crimes. She's already committed enough crimes. She's one of the few white women that's been in prison. I actually have liked her better ever since ever since then. Yeah, that's weird. I think she was set up. It's so weird. It's like he embraced her. We People loved her before. People did not love her before. That's incorrect. That's true. I mean, like, but she had a following. Like, clearly people did like her. Yeah. But I remember as a kid watching her and I remember her like talking about ways you know to like keep your like uh tomato plants up like how to prop them up Mm -hmm. you know sticks and stuff like that and she was like now there's different ways to do it some people like to use like the twist ties they like go on bread she was like that's really good to like twist it to the stick and hold it in place and then like she literally like looked into the um camera she was like but i don't use those because i don't like them in my garden and i was like whoa she got like really intense and like then she i forgot she used something else like i don't know kite string or some shit but she was like very very clear she did not like seeing the twist ties from bread in listen, her garden listen to this quote from the martha stewart from a martha stewart calendar from many years ago it's like uh, i don't remember the exact date but let's say uh thursday november 10th start feeding your turkey yellow corn and you're like honey honey have ha- have you been feeding the turkey I didn't feed the turkey. Aren't you feeding the turkey? Oh, Jesus. Nobody fed the turkey. Like, who? I don't know. Who's feeding their turkey? This is kind of person, <laughs> I guess. I don't I don't get it. I would never want to meet my dinner beforehand. That's not anything I would ever want to do. You know, whatever that turkey did before it got to my plate is none of my business, really. I don't want to be involved <laughs> in that. Start feeding your turkey yellow corn. Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. I missed the yellow corn deadline. Now our turkey's going to suck. Yeah, it's a little strange. It's a little strange. Um, I have something else to say about Martha Stewart. 
I have no, I didn't personally work for her, but I used to work for a company where we did a lot of work for her. Word on the street was that she was not fun to work for. Um, cut to now, mm. though, after being in prison uh, and all that, she's kind of loosened up a little bit. And she's been doing uh, stuff. She did some segments with Snoop Dogg, which I actually haven't watched, but people. Well, those are gold. They like good girls. People like them, right? So, she started smoking weed with Snoop and she like mellowed out. Yeah. So, see, maybe she's more fun now. She probably feeds her turkey, whatever the hell now at this point. Like, <laughs> you know. I don't think anybody can hang out with Snoop Dogg and not smoke weed. Like right. you can't be like, oh, that's just his thing. Right, right, right. No, like even if contact high, like I'm something. not much of a weed smoker. Does weed make you weird? It makes some people weird. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I I, I have a very low tolerance. And when I was in college, I lived with a uh, one of my roommates was an enormous pot dealer, like just huge pot dealer. Um, and I tried. I smoked with her, and I even went deaf one one day, like for several hours i couldn't hear at I all and then i became i became a terrified to get off the couch and then when i finally got off the couch i was afraid to go anywhere else they tried to get me to go in the shower i was afraid to go in the shower like it just went on forever and when i finally recovered from that incident i was like i don't think i could smoke pot now she had really strong sticky pot with those purple kind of purple hairs in it i don't even it's called, it was called hawaiian purple or something i don't know sounds dank it was quite dank apparently it was extra double dank and i mm. couldn't uh i couldn't take it i'm a weed smoker from way back i started smoking weed in high school and uh that takes me all the way up until like i don't know 10 minutes ago <laughs> um i it's something that keeps me sane i uh -huh. get how like a lot of my friends can't do it and you know which is cool like you know it's nice to be able to like smoke with your friends but i'm used to not being able to like a lot of people i know like it's not their thing i don't mind people doing it and i might take a take a hit is that what it's called i might do one but um i really can't take hardly anything more than that i i had a joint in uh amsterdam when we were in amsterdam and uh, it lasted uh and i was even sharing it with peter and it lasted like five days jesus that's <laughs> yeah that's a lot that's like one puff and then you put it out like i can't do that yeah i'm um, still on the heroin like though gone. so still doing the heroin <laughs> hello welcome to the show this is sumi kim hi carol so this is quinn hey quinn nice to meet you look at how official you are carol you guys are like <laughs> we're official did you were you under the impression that we weren't going to be official well you have microphones it's like a very that's right. big deal and you're you're do you you're recording the zoom and then you're separating the audio is that what that you're is doing? that is correct that is correct yeah. sorry it's just audio right they're not seeing me that's right yeah you got a cocktail there i see that good okay sumi started her own gymnastics choreography studio this year or last year this is in september that's what i thought yeah 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 um for 20 years you coached at um Almost uh, years, yeah, yeah. At Chelsea, Chelsea uh, Pier. I almost said Chelsea Market. No, that's a store. Chelsea Piers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can so, see like she has like the gymnast thing going on. She has like outfit like the shoulders out. Like she looks very. <laughs> I dig it. Like she looks very like she's ready to just do it right now. She could. She could do a backflip or. Seven. It is at a class um, that I teach on Sundays, and then I started a workshop for a couple gymnasts for a theater piece that I'm developing with gymnasts too. Oh, cool. All gymnastics. That's cool. That's amazing. We'll remind people, we'll remind people at the end so they can like, you know, follow you and keep track of what you're doing. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Well, you know, um, the whole freelancing business thing was kind of been wanting to leave Chelsea Pierce for a couple of years. So just really burnt out from coaching and stuff. You know, uh-huh. I'm a theater artist too, Quinn. So I'm always going yeah. back and forth between like the you know, it's, it's a complete a thousand percent investment to coach and teach kids gymnastics on a competitive level. I'm sure it was like really intense and the highs and lows are really big. And then making your own work as a, as a, do you mean for the kids or for you or both? I mean, just everything, the whole Uh, like world of, of that, that profession is really intense. And the Jim Kim choreo business that I started, it's a react, my reaction towards trying to help do what I can to sustain a healthier training culture for the girls. Mm -hmm. I mean, for coaches too, it's very inclusive. The blog is talking about bodies and trying to normalize talking about all things related to gymnastics from the gymnast point of view, from the coach's point of view, from professionals. It's just been a really incredible experience and the best probably decision I ever made in my life. (sighs) Going back to what you were saying though, about how difficult it is to like dedicate yourself 100% to gymnastics and helping other people and then doing your own thing. Like, I think that's very true. It's, um, for me, like I, I went into performing come as a social worker and that's not a job you can kind of like half-ass. Right. And then it's like, how can I go from like giving all of my emotions at work and then like, oh, now I have to like go on auditions. I have to go on stage and like, you know, do all this stuff. Like it's hard to do both. So mm-hmm. I totally understand that. It is hard. And it's like, as Carol knows, cause she's seen some of my productions that they're like, it's all encompassing too. Yeah. There are a lot mm-hmm. my attention and time. So I really kind of have split myself between those two careers for many years. I have thought about that with you, but believe it oh, or really? not. Uh, I think of you more than more often than you know. Terrible. <laughs> not in a weird way. Um, yeah. I've, I've thought that must be intense. Uh, doing both those things because yeah the shows of yours that i've seen they are they're very immersive they're theater but they're i suddenly forgot the word kind of multidisciplinary, multi yeah. whatever the correct term is they're also like self-generated produced and devised and created like well, yeah not, you know that I, too. i've definitely done as you guys both have done been in other people's productions and projects and stuff but the ones that that i'm spearheading or like am the lead artist in mm-hmm. like all-encompassing extra so exhausting when i'm putting my attention towards the show my attention towards coaching takes a little bit of a back seat and then yeah. vice versa yeah that must be so, so hard now I have, since i'm freelancing i'm able to i mean we're in a pandemic so no one's performing anyway so I'm yeah not- you're not, you're, you're not kidding yeah well i just wonder like you know because you touched on like a lot of things at the beginning but like i do find like you know like i'm from michigan we all have heard things about what went on with michigan and, and coaching what reason do you think you know why do we keep seeing this like behavior in the headlines like what do you think is the are you talking about the specifically what happened with the gymnasts and dr Nass well not necessarily that but like the allegations of like you know like people being abusive to the people they're training like do you think that there is a certain atmosphere that creates that because i find i feel like i read about that all the time in in, in um, lots of sports you mean right in lots of sports but yeah, like yeah. in gymnastics you would think that i would think as somebody who played football that it wouldn't be as toxic as that because football is toxic as hell and i would think it would be worse as a woman i would think that it would be worse especially for female gymnasts so i'm interested since you have that uh, background like what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on it yeah i mean i think it's multi-layered i think that what you're seeing now is the emergence of the me too culture also where people are encouraged to speak out and given kind of license to sort of be more vocal about any type of trauma or abuse 
Mm-hmm. And the thing about gymnastics in, in part of the way the um, training culture is, um, you are taught to be kind of obedient. You have to train from a very young age to be good. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that coaching, the coaching style is about kind of like discipline and be obedience, which is to a degree that's essential being able to be a high level performer in like yeah. mm-hmm. sport, in any sport, in any art. Yeah. If you're going to try to train kids from a young age, but in, in effect, that also makes it so that, you know, a lot of kids are afraid or not in touch with being able to speak out if something's wrong. They're right. To um, confront their coaches if they're injured or their kids. So there's a lot of like lying and game playing, like and excuses. And so it's really hard to know when a kid is being truthful or honest or not, like whether whether yeah. they're avoiding something they don't want to do or if they're actually really hurt. So there's a lot of the kind of that kind of dynamic to begin with. But then yeah. you have, as you're saying, Quinn, it's a systemic thing because of the way, I mean, it's it's a long conversation, but it goes back, you know. The Caroli culture, Marta and Bella Caroli, who did right. Yeah, they kind of like changed the game for women's gymnastics, probably back from after Nadia Comaneci and all that from the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. And the way that the system has changed has become a kind of atmosphere and environment that's rife for abuse. Hmm. Why do you think that is with in regard to them in particular? Well, they created this whole um, a winning system because, you know, look at, hello, American women gymnasts have don- dominated from for like several Olympics now. Mm-hmm. They created this training spot called the ranch where it's like off in Texas in the woods and there's no cell phone reception. The kids would go and train, you know, everybody's vying to be like picked and be on the national team and there's a hierarchical system training system with developmental camps and this thing called tops camp conditioning testing basically you have to be in their view and in those camps Uh to be considered a contender to be on the national team and to be an elite gymnast to then kind of be chosen for the olympics so that whole system created a way for a lot of coaches. That's how they train and that's what the system they learn and what was kind of dictated to them and the way that they structured that has been passed down. Right. And then all the stuff with Larry Nassar, a lot of the scrutiny comes from the fact that it's like a top down thing. Yeah. Where they allowed this and enabled this behavior for so long and covered it up and didn't speak out about it that it's kind of like become what it is now a big huge mess yeah yeah i would say a lot of coaches are a little bit um kind of the after effects of the nasar well and that was a really extreme example i mean god forbid i hope that's not super common that level of sexual oh, abuse yeah. and then with that level the coach that just killed himself that level of uh emotional and sexual abuse from him yeah i mean and there's all these kind of like legal terms that are attached to it everybody's like what human trafficking what is that like me i was i looked at the headlines i was like what does that mean yeah and then i come to realize that it's because he was enabling nasar in his gym to treat these girls and then abuse them that it's kind of under the guise of human trafficking and then there's forced labor yeah i saw that they're going out and working in the fields (laughs) no you like made them do stuff like basically if they're injured or hurt and making them repeatedly train through that and causing further injury and trauma so my whole thing with jim kim choreo is that not only am i providing a way to do floor choreography for kids in different gyms the way that i work comes from theater and comes from devising techniques that i've learned in theater yeah the way i choreograph floor routines it's really about the kid and like a lot of it coming from them and like working in a very collaborative way 
Now, the creative dance workshop that I started and that I had today is a space for gymnasts only to kind of learn how to devise and generate movement from themselves. Oh, that's cool. And empowering, getting in touch with the way you feel and the way you can interpret that into movement. Yeah. And they're learning that that can be choreography. Cool. And I think that that kind of just little bit of training them to be in touch with how they feel and what their bodies are telling them helps them to strengthen that ability to speak up if something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Mm. I think that makes sense. I think there's still good things about gymnastics and sports for kids in general. And and I'm sure there's a lot of great coaches out there and, and most doctors aren't doing what Larry Nasser did. But I just posted this thing on, on Facebook because I've been having this guest artist series and today we had a choreographer or a coach who came in and did a workshop with the kids. And I also watched the Nasi Lucan Cup and the Winter Cup this weekend, which is like the first time a bunch of these girls have competed in over a year since the pandemic. Uh-huh. And in the face of this horrific news about John Getter, like watching those girls compete and watching my dance class today, I was like so emotional, Kara. I was like, I bet, I bet. When you put your attention back on these kids, there's so much joy and beauty and passion in what they do. It's just like the, the freaking adults who make it ugly. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know Larry Nasser or, or Gettert uh, either. Um, I think this, this is across the board with kids. There are t- a couple kinds of people that want to work with kids, people that love kids and people that are pedophiles <laughs> or abusive in some fashion. Well, that's true. It's just true. Um, most people that want to work with kids just love kids. If you are a pedophile or a sadist, that's a good gig for you. Yeah, predators are, they always go where they can get their prey. In that situation, I would think the girls are already so physically vulnerable because it's such raw work. It's so inherently dangerous in a way. I mean, you know. And they're wearing leotards, exposing their bodies. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I almost feel like there's kind of like a small like similarity between like what you see with actors and, you know, like how certain, you know, acting methods are bad for you, too. And that was all devised in a certain way. And you've got producers who take advantage of that. And I think it's a very common thing for people to be predators and find and, and, you know, get themselves into places where they can treat people like that. And it's like my question is, like, what do you what safeguards do you put in place to make sure that these things don't happen when you have an environment that kind of breeds this sort of thing from happening? Like what what extra mile can you go Yeah, there's a big gap, I think, in learning and in training and in sensitivity training um, that people become casualties. Mm. For me, one of the things that's upsetting and hard for me is there's no coping mechanisms for coaches. I mean, like I said, it's a very hard job. We're not really given like the kind of support system to actually deal with when your tempers flare up, when your frustration gets to like a a boiling point when your body feels broken and when you're exhausted from coaching and from dealing with systems and dealing with the pressure of performance and then parents it's all kind of confluence crazy making and drinking (laughs) (laughs) so she just just held up a glass of wine um that's a that's a really good point coaches are not paid that much we're not like yeah i mean so it's like a lot of pressure And then you're also vulnerable now because you can be accused. It could go public and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like this incentive to want to coach now is like, where is it? You know? And I know that Mm. for my, for myself and and having been through the system, everybody's like kind of um, required to go through these um, safe sport tests and like these, um, you know, sexual harassment. um, uh, They they basically go out these like, test that everybody has to take and these yeah, yeah. 
you know, like these video things, but they're not really still like a way for people to have any kind of recovery coping mechanisms and support to really deal with the stress, you know. I'm sure there's not. And I would have never have thought about that aspect. Um, but of course, that makes sense. You know, and there's also probably still not a way to to root out the the few people who would be abusive. That just sucks. It is. It's a shame that we don't. Yeah, it goes from like you're 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 being accused to now you're not allowed to like do this. You can't do that. You can't be alone with the kids. You can't text them. You can't be in a space with. There's just all of right. these regulations, which it's I understand just, because yeah. it's like you have to cover your bases in case there is any kind of case against you. But what about like giving a, a platform for coaches to actually learn how to deal with their stress and anxiety um, and the pressure? That makes a lot of sense. Right. I guess it's like the same issue with reform anywhere. Well, it, it makes me think I, I watched, um, I was watching, uh, this was my only day off this week. So <laughs> like, I just really fucked off all day. Um, but uh, while I was fucking off, I watched, I guess it was Face the Nation. I watched uh, CBS Sunday Morning and then I watched Face the Nation and maybe it was sun CBS Sunday Morning. It's really not important. I don't know why I'm going over that <laughs> like that. Um, whatever it was, uh, it was girls or women that worked at McDonald's. Mostly they were young. That's why I call them girls. Like mostly people under 25 that were working at McDonald's. Apparently there's a, a huge, and not just at McDonald's, but in fast food in general, there's a, a huge problem with sexual harassment there. Just like the, the story, the point of the story was like, we keep hearing about the Me Too movement with, you know, Hollywood and movies and this and that. But, you know, this is happening in regular jobs too, like fast food. And there were all these examples of girls that were being harassed and touched and, uh, you know stuff in various well, Carol, you know the, the 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 service industry is right it's huge that. it's huge i mean yeah, i and, and of really course is. i i immediately thought of all the times i've been abused um you know uh uh in that same fashion and and there was just not much done to handle it it's like well you know we put out this like a sexual harassment course we make them take and you know and that's pretty much it and it's nothing i had to take that last year when uh, before pre-pandemic when i was still uh cooking and catering and stuff everybody had to fill out this thing read this thing fill it out you know don't do this do that whatever and it was like bullshit i know well it is bullshit because if you're actually a, a you know sort of a sociopath or, or an abusive person you think this form is going to stop you you're going to be like oh wow i never thought about that i never thought that might bother the woman if i touch her boob the added thing to it like if you talk about the fact that it's like you know uh service workers food workers or lower paid minimum wage workers and you have like this whole you know a lot of those women are black and brown women they were for who, sure who have yeah. absolutely no recourse or support in any of this stuff that's happening to them and it's well i have to say it was a mix of black brown and white women it was it was kind of across the board and as a white woman i i got plenty of abuse so you know i'm sure it's worse for black and brown people because most things are but uh because everything is not most things everything is worse. women in general get a lot of sexual abuse always and you know it's recently tapered off for me as i got older um which you know I don't miss it, so that's cool. But um boys do too though. Yeah, they I guess do. that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Catholic pedophile pedophile ring. Oh my god, you know? yes, huge. Yeah. And back to sports. I mean, you know, what happened with the uh what was the very famous football Yes. Uh, Quinn, before you came on, Quinn and I were talking about how um, we don't prepare enough for this show. <laughs> I always want to talk about things that I'm like, like, yeah, now we're like, what was the name of this? What was the name of that? But to your point, Quinn, it's all kind of tied in because now, you know, it's 
can be segued into how people of color are, we are the most vulnerable during this pandemic because the black and brown communities are the ones who are frontline workers for the most part. Frontline workers and getting sick, not like, you know, access to medicine and vaccines and history of maybe illnesses that makes them more vulnerable Mm -hmm. with their, with their respiratory systems or whatever. For sure. And and then, you know, the the Asian American community being targeted for anti-Asian hate and, um, well, it's also like, you know, you don't know sometimes as, as, um, as, as someone who is like a color, someone in black male, yeah. like being a female in the workplaces you were talking about, mm-hmm. like whether you're actually, something's happening or you're imagining it, you know, like I remember. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to some, you know, I'm, I'm talking pandemic times right now in specific to some flea markets out in um, Bumfuck, wherever we were, like in Pennsylvania. <laughs> like Trump land somewhere. Uh-huh. Oh out, yeah. Out in Pennsylvania. Like, there people like there weren't that many people at this huge flea market, like there's, or there's like an antique store, but I, I felt like people were kind of trying not to like, the, like be near me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know? Oh, and, yeah. and, and I, and I think I had said in my, in my most recent Facebook post about this, that wearing a mask accentuates your eyes. So it oh. feels like all they're seeing are the eyes. And for, for, for Asians, it's not so much about the color of our skin. It's about our facial features. Right. And so we're, we're kind of like um, biased because of that, of like the way our eyes look. Right. Um, so I'm, I was very aware and very self-conscious about like, wearing a mask and having my eyes show and people looking at me and then walking the other direction, you know, and then I'm like, uh, are they just trying to keep distance, social distance? Or are they like, Oh, she's got the coronavirus cause she's Asian and she's Chinese or whatever. Like you just don't know. And then it kind of, it, it, it like kind of feeds into this feeling of it's like paranoia. And um, right. well, that's happened to me a couple of times in public spaces where I feel like people are like trying to walk, you know, really keep their distance in a way that feels abnormal. Yeah, I, I totally can agree with that. It's like, you know, I think part of being a person of color is like, you know, is it microaggression? Is it my head? Or are they just assholes? Like, you don't really know. Because for me, like, you know, when I see, you know, like white women on the street act differently around me, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me why any woman walking by herself at night would be cautious. Like, of course, that makes sense to me. But like, you know, how much is too cautious? Like, does she right. have to cross the street? Does she have to, you know, you just don't know. Um, right. And that's, you know, difficult. Yeah. But it's 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 something that happens. And I'm, I would assume where you were that, that there probably was definitely an element with, of that with some people. But what's freaky is to me is how many violent attacks are happening here in New York. It seemed like there was there was there was a, actually a big kind of spate of them in um, California, especially in San Francisco and the Chinatown area. Jesus Christ. And then like, you know, then it kind of went. It's kind of a coast. Seems like a coastal thing, but it's not necessarily exclusively a coastal thing. But recently, you know, several things have happened in succession in New York City, which is very disturbing because it felt like it was very like a a kind of a an alarming thing um, during the summer. And I want to say earlier on in the pandemic. And then just sort of like there's just seems like an uptick recently. I don't know uptick because they're reporting more. Or because the attacks are more violent. I think they're always, like you said, microaggressions or like, you yeah. know, 
but these are macro aggressions they're like, like super super yeah like the yeah. Woman, these are hate crimes these yeah are they're hate crimes exactly and, they're not, and they can't call them hate crimes and they have evidence that there are some like racially racial source attack right well there's a form if the person who got attacked would fill out the form before the attack then <laughs> exactly they it's, could and if we could get the person but right before they shoved the older asian person if we could get them to take a course the weird thing is that quickly. they are like sort of like these weird random like yeah really you know just out of nowhere acts of violence and then just fleeing and, and you and, and you wonder like how out of nowhere are they like i mean how how out right. of nowhere are they are these people are, are these white people? I get, I can't even see them that clearly in the thing. I'm assuming they're Trumpers. If I'm wrong, I certainly apologize. But um, I think that's I think it's people that are pissed off about the pandemic, pissed off about the restrictions, uh, buy into the yeah Chinese people caused this, and sure anybody who's got those eyes is Chinese. I don't give a fuck where they're from, and so you're going to go out and shove somebody's grandmother onto the sidewalk like. Or slash your face, or slash them, or or uh, it wasn't acid, but but spray, um, yeah, Lysol mace or something on them. Like, there's just it's so alarming, and I, I, you know, I'm white, so I don't have to fear this particular thing when I walk out the door. And I've just been trying to imagine, like, fuck, what is that like to add to your day? Like, what time should I go out? You know, should I make sure I don't go out after seven? Should I? <coughs> How do you know where to walk? I don't know. It just, it's, I don't think enough attention is being put on it yet. And well, the reason why I started um, posting all those articles and sharing them, and I also, uh, well, so what happened was I was, you know, I look at Facebook and a lot of the, my friends and people are like my colleagues in the Asian American theater community and activist community and like performance world. And they tend to be more active and more vocal, you know. Yeah anything that's kind mm -hmm. of justice oriented right so i'm seeing my feed and i'm seeing like post after post of like you know um the the, the people who are speaking out about this and like um really kind of upset and kind of like you know uh, disturbed that that a lot of this hasn't a lot of the anti-asian hate hasn't been getting more media attention and that yeah allies and then literally it's like post after post seeing that from my Asian colleagues and then like nothing from my non-Asian colleague. Right. You know? And so that's why I was like, I even emailed a bunch of my friends who then started sharing my posts. I said, look, we need you. Like we need non-Asian yeah. I'll, I'll get on it. And you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Not about this. And I'm not pressuring you to, to do No, but you're correct. Yeah. If you are not an active social media person, which is, completely like your call and, and i respect that mm -hmm. but we need more allies <laughs> yeah you do no i run my mouth on on social media all the time as you well know so uh yeah no i should be i just i was telling quinn earlier i have a full-time job now even though it's working from home and it's totally freaking me out that i'm like do i am i doing this every day like i'm just not having enough time to post on facebook but um yeah, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, I mean, celebrities are speak out and yeah. like that. The whole special—it's building, but it needs to be more. But the whole special um, um, New York Times special about Stephen um, Yoon, who is a star of a Minari, that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he, you know, was in Walking Dead. Um, he's kind of a more visible face, and he—he's very bright and intelligent, articulate about the Asian American experience. And I mean, I think that he really kind of 
nails a lot of the things he says about how Asian Americans feel like what it feels to be Asian American is that we think about everybody else and nobody thinks about us. Yeah. I and read that. Yeah. And then there's that kind of the, the whole invisibility factor. And I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's really yeah. true. And when I was in, you know, when I was in college, which is many years ago, I thought that the tide would turn faster in like the entertainment industry, like the acting world. So when I'm an actor, when I get out there, there's going to be more parts and it's going to be like a better situation for us. But the tide is turning now, which is great. But mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago when I was 20 years ago, when I was more active in the scene, it was just like chirp, 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 you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, was that uh, crickets? Is that what that was? Was that a cricket? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, what <laughs> a cricket sound. Um, okay. It's it's. Yeah. I definitely think people should be uh, more vocal about what's going on because like, it affects all of us. Like it's not what's going on is like you know I think we kind of get to the point where we look out for our own or we like look at it in a certain way, but we we are all. At risk. Like what's happening in this country is a threat to literally everybody who is not a white man. Like we are right. all at risk. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I speak up for my Asian friends where I can because I know I have enough Asian friends to know like how, like what you mean, the invisibility factor, how that's felt, not feeling backed up by their white friends. Mm. Definitely something that I felt in the past whenever we had a police shooting. I never felt my white friends were vocal enough about that. Like, I totally understand that. And I try to, do, you know, do that where I can. So I'm glad that we met. I'll definitely be following you and I will definitely be sharing and speaking out. Yeah. As much I also as have to I- say that, like, um, you know, when people focus in on, like, if, if like, some of these attacks were, like, done by um, men of color or, like, you know, that that's not the point to pit out race against race, you know? Absolutely, right. yeah. You know, we shall be in solidarity. And it's kind of about the, all you know, that's just sort of a larger, there's a larger yeah. hand. And Well, the person that would yeah. do an attack <clears throat> like that, whatever their race is, is a sociopath. Somebody that would yeah. physically hurt another person uh, for the, for whatever dumbass reason they're doing it. That person is a sociopath, so they shouldn't be identified uh, uh, just by a race, whatever. I mean, this is what this was a couple of shows ago. I said to Quentin, maybe it was just last week. I don't know when it was, but whenever there's a mass shooting or whatever, I hope the person is white. I always hope they're white. They usually um, are, but well, they well, yeah, usually usually <laughs> but, works out. Usually works out great for me that they are, but um, most serial killers are. Too. Well, I want them to be because I don't want it to be a thing that white people can then take. It's like, well, see what they do. I don't want it to be a Muslim person for God's sake. You know, I don't want it to be anybody I, other than a white person until people, it, you know, and then people should start to realize, like, well, maybe white. There is no. I don't know. The, the, nobody i mean if you want to see the white people are dangerous see history like you don't you can look at history and not see that first of all i don't think that being dangerous or whatever is a racial thing but yeah it, it no, doesn't matter if the mass shooter is black it doesn't there will always be a reason or no reason or a made-up reason right like, if anything we've seen from QAnon, from what we, the trump it, it, reality doesn't matter well, it only matters it's, because I don't want it to be something that's weaponized against a race. And the it's going to be that, weaponized in some other But it other doesn't way. happen it's just, when it's a white person. When a white person does it, they don't say like, oh, well, maybe you should take a look at white men. Like how we still don't know who killed Officer Sigmund. 
or right. uh, sickening. We still don't know who did that. Right. Like that is incredible to me. That yeah. would if a per if a person of color had done that, no matter what color that was, other than white, we know exactly who it was. We know yeah. why they were born a criminal. We know why they should already be prosecuted <laughs> right. for it. Right. All of that. But now it's just like he's lying. He was lying in state, and we had no idea who killed him. Well, because the people and that now, attacked the Capitol then went out for burgers and fries or whatever, uh, you know, and then they say they have one suspect. I'm like, how can you have one suspect? There were like 30 people in that video. Yeah. We have diverged. Started, we have diverged <clears throat> from several topics. I'm just angry. So me, we did manage to talk about both the things I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> so that's cool. Okay. Um, Peace out. <laughs> but that's no. a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit of order. We should at least. We had no order. We were, we were, uh, this was a, a real swing and free show. We, 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 <laughs> we didn't have a lot of structure, but we um, wanted to talk about like, um, abuse in sports and, uh, I did Asian violence, and how they I go did. but to, to talk about something that's more fun, um, <laughs> how did you feel about the Mr. Potato head degendering of the potato? Head. They sort of did it. You they know what I'm really talking about. I, I could guess what you're talking about, but I don't know the ins and outs. It's dumb. But... It's dumb. That's the first thing you need to know about it. Okay. Okay. Those. Just, I don't know. Recap. Well, they said reason. they said they were gonna make it Potato Head and not Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah, they're just taking the gender and away. They're taking the gender away, but they're still gonna sell Mr. and Mrs. Potato Heads. You just have a non-gender binary. Well, option. you can still buy I that. You shit about Mr. Potato Head. I yeah. want to know, Me either. is God yeah. still a he? Like, I still... <laughs> God? It's always he. So. I've been trying to degender God for quite some time. <laughs> I'm not a very religious person, but I do try to make, make God her whenever possible. Or, hey. <laughs> or I like to just God say... What? God is a they. Yeah, at best. I, uh, I would yeah, definitely they. vote for so if God, if you get an email from God, it says pronouns, they, them. Uh, yeah, the writers of like the Bible were not very woke, I guess. You know? oh, no, 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 they were not. They were not a woke group. <laughs> and they had ulterior <laughs> motives from what I understand. And uh, God did not hand down their ink pen <laughs> for them to write it with. So, yeah. I don't know how I got on that thought, but I, I don't did. know, but I like it. I was thinking about that in terms of like, um, you know, pronouns, like God, God is always he. Yeah. I'm not but, into that. Um, I don't all. buy that. God is not a gender. I don't think there is a gender for God. You know, I like to think of it as amorphous energy. It's just like a big pile of energy that we're connected by. Like just like glowing somewhere in the cosmos. Like Let's pulsing. make a pronoun for that. What okay. Is it? Um, it. It. I know. I thought it, that that's it. fine. There's nothing wrong with yeah. it. Sure. Yeah. And I want to hear just really quick about your um, the show. You said you're working on a new show that involves oh, yeah. gymnasts. What's? Yeah, that? I've been actually developing this for a while, and it's kind if of gone. I, if I had done more research on this show, would I know that now? I don't know. It's not really that public. Um, good. 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 Because so I work with. I have worked with a lot of incredible kids with these like super just hysterical personalities and just astounding abilities. And the same thing when I was just talking about with when I heard about the, the Getter news this week, I 
with Nassar, like when it happened, I think 2018. I just want to make sure Gettert, mm -hmm. that people know what that is. That's the coach that just shot himself, Gettert, connected yes. to Nassar. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, when the news about Larry Nassar came out, it was a big, huge deal in the gymnastics community. I, and like, like I said, day in and day out for like four hours a day, working with these like really incredible kids and the athletes, I just felt like I don't want to like, I don't want to label them as victims or like right. see them that way. And, um, you know, because I'm a theater artist and um, there's always inevitably some kind of the work that I kind of have historically made has been come out of some sort of, um, you know, reason, um, calling, I guess you would say. Right. The voice that speaks to me and says, this is what you should do. I just thought there's this feels feels like there's this injustice and there's this imbalance between the way the world is perceiving gymnastics right now and what I see from the day to day life in the gym. Um, and I thought I want to like honor and celebrate these kids and make some kind of piece that like highlights their abilities. And so um, I started this like workshop in 2018 for anyone who wanted to do it, like in the summer of July 2018, where I. I did like a three hour thing where I, where we did like theater games and we did devising games and um, kind of culminated into like um, this informal showing for the parents. I said, I don't know really what this is about, but I think that there's a lot of interesting things that could come out of like working with gymnasts in like a theatrical setting. And I'm giving them a little bit of a boot camp for theater to do that. And then um, I got this, residency at this place called the marble house in vermont last in, in 2019 um and i um listened to all of the testimonies from the larry nasa trial and i oh, wow. transcribed rachel den hollanders who's like the one who sort of like was yeah. to get larry nasa's i read about her this yeah, yeah 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 she, she she was very pivotal in the um in, in, in exposing nasa to the public and to the media and she's a, now she's a lawyer and she wrote this really incredible, like kind of half hour statement and testimony. So I kind of listened to that and I transcribed it. And um, the way I work and what I do is like, you know, I'll try to create some movement and generate some ideas that kind of will be um, text and, and dance driven. Yeah. Um, and at this at this residency, I spent a lot of time doing that. I had this, this beautiful studio to myself and I was in there for however many hours I wanted every day. For that sounds years. amazing. So at the end of the workshop, end of the residency, there was a sort of like showing for people to come and look at people's studios and see what they've been working on. And so in my showing, I did like a 10 minute excerpt of the Rachel Den Hollander testimony, physicalized it, transcribed some of it, did the text and movement in the way I kind of do. And then I kind of put that aside for a while because I was like, I'm not sure what this is going to be. And so now my attention has been veered back towards making a gymnastics piece because it keeps kind of coming and going for me. Like part of me is like, this is too hard and too weird. It's going to be too controversial and it's going to be like too contentious and, and difficult. So I'll be like, push it away. And then something will happen where I'm like drawn towards it again. Like, you yeah. know, the story that should be told. So I've come to the place where there's like this biographical, uh, autobiographical narrative with the, the kind of 
journalistic bent of like looking at the history of USA gymnastics and what you're talking about, Quinn, and like we're talking about the systemic kind of ways in which gymnastics from the top down has become what it is. And the right. reason why it has become a culture uh, that it is today of potential allegations for emotional abuse and whatnot. And then infusing kids that are actually competing gymnasts in it as well. Wow. Actually live on stage or videos? Live on stage. Oh my God. Wow. Well, that won't be hard. <laughs> so I'm training some kids. Wow. Or, um, they're just like, you know, a couple of gymnasts that I know pretty well have a good relationship with them. Who did my workshop in 2018, who I'm continuing to workshop with some, like just to kind of create and build some vocabulary of movement and, and kind of figuring out like what the um, genre and structure looks like. Um, you know. Sumi, this sounds amazing. This sounds oh, yeah. like, like well, an incredible in project. Multidisciplinary way. It's always kind of tricky and hard because it's like, how do you get the right collaborators on board when you don't really have anything yet? How do you get the right collaborators on board who are not getting paid? I've been mm. I've been writing grants for this piece, which is titled working title body through which the dream flows because one night I was with my partner Adam and he was we were listening to this incredible kind of contemporary classical piece I said what is this this is John Adams it's a shaker loops whatever it's this composer and I said what's it called and he goes body through which the dream flows and I was like wow that would be a fantastic title for this piece because it's about like the dream that kids have to go to the Olympics and to be like a champion and it's a dream that flows through their body manifests itself into gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And like the kind of one sentence pitch about it is like, I think this ties into what I was saying before is about looking at the dream to be great and striving to be perfect in an imperfect system. So the body part of it also is about like the governing body of USAG and the female body, national body. Wow. So I'm working on it. I mean, somebody give me some money. <laughs> I'm going right. to do a workshop, like a work in progress this spring and invite some people because there are people that are interested in it, but there's no product or there's no like, you know, result of anything yet. So it's hard to actually see what it's supposed to look like and what it is. Oh man, it sounds really cool. sports and theater and experimental theater and concert dance and you know acrobatics, but not Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds incredible. I definitely would. I think I think you need to make that happen. I'm trying, definitely. and we'll try to help you by helping get you the promote, word out. Yeah, get the word yeah, out. Promote your blog. Promote your studio promote your awesome ideas and all that stuff i'm so happy that i got to meet you i'm so happy that you came to the pod to sit down and talk with us and thank you for you know taking the time to impart your knowledge about gymnastics and to let us know what you're going to be working on in the future yeah i think you might actually be more of an expert than you think thank you guys so much and thanks for coming thank you what's the name of your podcast again <laughs> this is going to be good i like that bye Okay. No, that was really good. That was a really interesting conversation. Good. Yeah. It was. Right. <laughs> I enjoy hearing about 
how bad white people are from other non-black people. I know. I keep saying that's that's it's, like, it's going to be one of our running themes is me running. It's like I can people. just I can just sit it out and she can like talk about it and like yeah and I can just be like you're absolutely right and just like sit down. Well, and, and like, here's yeah. the thing too because I you know there are going to be white people in various places probably mostly in the south that are going to be like damn it Carol stop doing that I've heard it before on Facebook like stop insulting white people all the time blah blah blah. Um, I'm not anti-white. I am white. Okay. But, uh, I, I don't like you, we can't deny anymore the, the huge problems that white supremacy has caused. And most people don't even still understand what the term means. Um, they just yeah. think like, I'm not in the clan. Like nobody said you were in the goddamn clan, but like <laughs> everything is still geared towards white people. White people don't have to think about being white people. That's actually the point I want to do not. You know, Sumi Kim has to think about the fact that she's Asian every time she walks out the door, especially right now, because Asian people are being physically attacked. You have to think about the fact that you're black every time you walk out the door. Pretty much. I mean, maybe sometimes you don't. I don't know. But because something could happen. If I forget, I'm reminded. <laughs> yeah, something could happen. Exactly. Or, you know, or somebody, the white a white person will say like, well, I've, I'm poor or I know people that have trouble because they're, you know, and they're white. It's like, yeah, they're, they're having trouble, but they're not having trouble because they're white. Of course, white yeah. people have problems. Of course, white people have poverty and uh, all kinds of issues, but they're not having them because they're white. Right. Okay. And that's different. And, and, you know, I've been hearing, uh, oh, who was it? dumbass that said it oh ah, megan kelly on on bill maher just the other night was like had to pull her daughters out of fancy uh fancy private school because they were telling her daughters that they were white supremacists and trying to make them ashamed of having white skin and blah 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 and it was like i don't know what school your daughters went to but i'm pretty sure you have misunderstood this curriculum uh, if okay. they're like her mother, they weren't going to use the education anyway. So whatever. I guess, but like, <laughs> I've had more than I've seen more than one white person on on Facebook be like, "You can't hate me because of my skin color. It's not your skin color, okay? Right. No one's hating you because you're white. Uh, you're and no one's hating you at all necessarily. It's like you're getting told <laughs> the bad things that have happened in this country that you've done. You and your ancestors have done." All right. Yeah. So, I, I, I think you said it. That, that's all there is to say. I'm glad we got to that point. And uh, yes, now we're going to wrap our show. That was our special two and a half hour edition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Carol Scudder. So, I'm Quentin Lamar. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Quentin Lamar on Twitter. And you can follow me at the carol dan i can't even find the little thing that says what it says oh yeah the at the carol dan on instagram and at carol scudder on twitter i don't know why i have different names for these social media things i can't remember when it's this part of the show. i think it's cute that you can't like offhand remember your it's adorable twitter and instagram um, <laughs> handles it's it's so boomer and cute Charming. but thank Very you for listening uh, remember, if you'd like to support the show, be sure to visit buymeacoffee.com backslash gotta be good. And if you want to join in our discussions about the episodes, follow us and comment on Instagram and Twitter at this is gonna be good. Do it. Yes. Thanks, you do guys. It. See you next time. See ya.